and thank you for joining us for In All Things, a weekly podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. I'm Rachel Joseph. Your host for In All Things is Dean Weaver, stated clerk of the EPC. The motto of our family of congregations is, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Now, here's Dean. And thank you, Rachel. It's always great to be here for another conversation in the EPC's podcast, In All Things. And thank you to those of you who have tuned in again. As you know, we drop new episodes every Friday, and you can get them through all of the podcast uh, normal platforms, Spotify, Apple, Podbean, and you can just search In All Things or go to our webpage and share that with others. And we're just super grateful to have you listening in, devoting your time to these conversations and sharing them with others. That's part of what makes this so incredibly rich. I was attending a uh, presbytery meeting recently, and one of the uh, ruling elders at that presbytery came up to me and was very excited, but he chastised me. He said, you, you came and gave, gave great remarks at the presbytery, but you didn't promote the podcast. Why didn't you promote the podcast? I listen every week, and it's so great. And I was like, wow, I... I, I'm so grateful to hear that and grateful to receive that chastisement. We um, think God is curating some really good conversations around uh, church health, especially we're in a series right now of church health where we're looking at five of our different church health coordinators, and uh, and that is uh, where our conversation will go today. We're really excited to have Mark DeJay on with us. Mark is the mission mobilizer, church health coordinator, and really uh, is helping in areas of church planting too. It's part of, I think, the mission mobilization thing in our presbytery of the Alleghenies, and he's a parish associate now at a church that he planted, the Soma community, Beaver Falls, PA. Mark, uh, welcome to In All Things. Thanks, Dean. Happy to be in conversation. And yes, Beaver Falls. All right. So before we get into the conversation with Mark and hearing more about what is a mission mobilizer, how did he get to this place? You know, we'll dig into a number of those kind of things, ways in which you'll be able to access information that will be helpful for your church to be healthy. One of the things that I'm frequent to say as we promote the four gospel priorities is that church health is the means of transformation. In fact, in our vision statement in the EPC, we talked about being a a global movement of churches that is going to focus on multiplication, which we call church planting, a transformation, which is church health, and effective biblical leadership, which is discipleship. And those things all come together around the Great Commission. Uh, in Matthew 28, Jesus tells us to go to the ends of the earth and make disciples. And the EPC is called to be a disciple-making movement. And so this year at our General Assembly, our 43rd at Cherry Hills Church in Denver, Colorado, we are recasting this as the 43rd General Assembly and Gospel Priority Summit. And we're going to have exclusive plenaries that everybody will connect with in the areas of those four different gospel priorities. On Thursday of our gathering, uh, we will have the chance to dig deeper in any one of those four areas. There will be kind of a 101, 201, and 301 level equipping session that every commissioner and attendant will have the chance to choose from if they want to go a little deeper in church planning or if they want to go a little deeper in church health. They'll have the opportunity to do that. And if you come to that General Assembly, which again is only three days this year, June 20th, 
through the 22nd, you'll probably have the chance of running into this guy that we're hosting today uh, because Mark, he turns up everywhere I turn around. He's showing up, whether it's uh, the pastoral letter of racial lament and hope or whether it's conversations around the ministerial vocations committee or it's uh, conversations like this one around church health and church planning. Mark, you have deeply invested into the life of the greater church, which what I love is that you're a local church guy who's yeah. also loving and, and equipping the larger church. I just am curious how you got there. Could you give us a little bit of your background and story that led you up to this point? Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, glad to be in conversation here today. Uh, so like a lot of us in the EPC, I didn't start off in the EPC. In fact, I didn't even start off Presbyterian. So my family growing up, when I was born, my folks were Catholic. So it was baptized Catholic never confirmed. And then uh, my family kind of went on a on a church hopping journey. Basically, my parents loved to be a part of churches that were just getting started at that exciting phase. And so you know, non-denominational, Methodist, Baptist, kind of all over the place. I spent most of my growing up in a Christian Missionary Alliance church and got really involved there. And it was really a church committed to evangelism living out and sharing the good news of Jesus. You know, that was the pound the pavement, get on the streets, door to door. And it cultivated in me a, a zeal for that. Me and my friends in the youth group, we were all going to be missionaries in Africa. You know, that was that was the big thing. And I'm grateful for that. I, I had not ever stepped into a Presbyterian church. I don't even know if I knew the word Presbyterian until I got to college or I went to Grove City College in Northwestern Pennsylvania. And uh, so went to the Presbyterian church that you could walk to at Grove City, which is why we went, because in freshman year, you couldn't have a car. And so was walking to church. And uh, as it happened, the woman who I started dating freshman year and then uh, went on to marry, her mother uh, was a Presbyterian pastor. Okay. And so when I had graduated college, I had kind of sensed that call to some kind of vocational ministry. Didn't know exactly that was going to be, but we knew we were going to go back home to Indianapolis, where my wife was from, and uh, got connected with a, a real small Disciples of Christ seminary out there. Was told I had to pick a denomination. I don't think that was even true, but was told I had to. And so I uh, had started a relationship with a guy named Jim Caps, who was the senior pastor of Southport Presbyterian Church, which is now an EPC congregation. Right. And uh, so starting in 2004, for three years, every Friday for two to three hours, we would have lunch together, and he just invested in me. Mm. That became a really clear uh, sense of, hey, if I have to be somewhere, this, this makes sense to start here. So it's a funny kind of non-intentional journey to get into the Presbyterian conversation. But then being here, just kind of taking it a step at a time, and my hope is to be helpful. And so when I'm invited to try to be helpful in things like the conversation we're having today, I want to try to lean into that as best as I can, knowing that there's a, there's a whole lot of, of good that folks are doing that I have a lot to learn from. If we could just press pause in your story for a second there, Mark, because this is actually going to play itself out in your role as a church health coordinator and what we're now starting to refer to as coaches. But can you talk to your own experience your relationship with Jim at Southport, that mentoring relationship, the power of a mentoring and particularly multi-generational mentoring relationships in terms yeah. of church health. I can tell you and my story, and I know others would say the same thing, the difference that's made for me, I can't even 
quantify for you um, to the degree that when I was in Orlando just a couple of weeks ago, Jim now lives in Orlando. We got together for lunch. We still talk for an hour every week. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and so having that person who has walked it before, who in relationship um, you can look to for wisdom and, and things like strategy and all that, which is great, but just relational wisdom. Yeah, that's invaluable. So I remember back in the day I was involved in Promise Keepers and they used to talk a lot about the idea of having a, a Paul, uh, a Barnabas and a Timothy. In other words, somebody who's kind of ahead of you, someone who's alongside of you. Uh, and someone who you're pouring yourself into and that, you know, every person needs to have kind of that healthy triad of relationships. And so have you found as you've gone along as a church planter and as a pastor and now in your current role, not only having someone like Jim, who's kind of like a Paul who pours into you, but having people to come alongside of you as fellow Barnabases and, and maybe some younger pastors. And I still think of you as a younger pastor, but, but yeah, but, yeah. But, I joke. Cause I teach at a, a local college here too. I am college old, but Presbyterian young. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, full 40 years old. Yeah. Still, still usually the youngest guy uh, in the room with my fellow uh, teaching elders. Right, um, right. But yeah, no, no, exactly. Exactly. Right. And yeah, I'll say it's something that we all need and crave. It, it also kind of ties into the work of church health and church planting where it's not something that you can kind of mechanically force. Right. It needs to be something that is organic. That doesn't mean not intentional, but I, I had people who wanted to mentor me that I can tell you right, wrong, or indifferent. I was just not going to receive that mentorship in kind of a, a, a forced way. With Jim, there was something about the spirit that brought that together. And the same with relationships, kind of side-by-side -side relationships today. And I can say, Having folks uh, that I get to be in a mentoring relationship with, not something that you, you kind of say, this is how it's got to be, but you're paying attention to where the spirit's moving right. and you find yourself in those relationships, mostly just passing on the good of what you've learned uh, from those who invested in you. Well, and I think perhaps under the tapestry, we might refer to that as chemistry, but above the tapestry, you've rightly pointed out that what you're doing is you're really paying attention to the Spirit's work. Who has the Lord brought you into contact with, and is there some sort of connection there that you're paying attention to that either opens you up to receiving that kind of mentorship or maybe even offering that kind of mentorship? So there's always this sense of you know having eyes of faith to see what God is doing around you, discerning that, and then following the Spirit's leading. Yeah, that, that's right. And I think, Dean, uh, again, connecting to the church health work, church planting work, when relationships are central, they're not just a means to some other end. Mm. When actually kind of the core of the gospel is about relationship, it's about God's relationship with us and therefore our relationship with each other, then you center the priority of relationships. And you're not just trying to find people who you can commodify to get things done. Right. But it actually becomes like, oh, there's no other way to be about this thing than in genuine relationship. That's a huge takeaway, Mark, the idea of the power of relationships in transformation, both for ourselves and for our churches. Well, let's let's turn in a little bit towards uh, church health, because, uh, you know, the person listening in may be unclear about what we mean by that. What, yeah. what kind of things does a church health coordinator do? And when the EPC talks about church health, what are we yeah. talking about? Kind of the way that I'll do it in a, in a workshop or a training setting is I'll say, um, with a group of people, I'll say, okay, when we say church health, fundamentally what we mean is this. And I kind of invite everyone to look down and imagine themselves looking down and inward, kind of awkward, but you know, kind of take your body down and inward 
that is an unhealthy church. Now, now go ahead and look up and outward, that that's the posture of a, of a healthy church. And so there's a lot of particular things that would need to happen in the life of a church to actualize that. But we're trying to get churches to understand that to be healthy, to be enlivened by the Spirit for their purpose, is to return back to the main thing. And for an EPC church, what is the main thing? In the EPC, uh, we're going to frame that in terms of the Great Commission, right, where we talk about that making disciples of all nations. And so for local congregations in every particular place, what does it mean that we understand ourselves first and foremost as those agents of God's mission, the mission of God's kingdom in our neighborhood? And so we exist for the purpose of making known King Jesus and his kingdom. So the inner life of the church is intended for the purpose of the outward facing work that God has called us to. So for a church to understand itself in a healthy way, that that's the direction we're going to try and focus uh, our energy. And it's, it's a bit counterintuitive, isn't it, Mark? Because I think most pastors find that churches want their energies to be focused inwardly on them, and yet the pastor is trying to help them grow as disciples so that they're focused outward. What kind of counsel do you give to pastors as they yeah. deal with that tension of that kind of inward versus outward focus and what it means to be a healthy church? Yeah, yeah. And intention's a great word for it. It's a it's a journey. It's a process. And so we don't want to kind of heap a, a set of obligations on pastors that, hey, with everything else you got going on, you're probably doing this wrong. That's not the intention of, of what we're trying to do. Rather, it frames everything that you do in a way that's meant to actually be generative and life-giving, not just for you in ministry, but also for your people, the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, the works prepared beforehand for us to do. So one way to frame it is uh, I have a friend who was a military chaplain. And the way he explains it is if you take all of the soldiers in a given unit and you put them in the barracks and you leave them there and you don't do anything with them, you just leave them there. He said, they're going to kill each other. But if you take that same group of people and you put them on the field together with a common mission, they'll die for each other. Mm. Right. And this is that when you have something that you're a part of that's bigger than yourself, that actually does something. So the idea that mission catalyzes community, mm. that God intended it to be that way. And so we're just encouraging folks to kind of shift that posture, shift that focus. You're still going to deal with internal things, but you've got a higher purpose for doing so. It's the mission of God's kingdom in your neighborhood. How do we help shift that posture? And that's such a such an interesting thing to wrestle with is that you're really not a healthy community or a healthy church unless you are joined together in that common mission. Otherwise, you're always going to be focused on yourselves. But to be a healthy community, you have to be an outwardly focused community that has a united mission. And getting people to see that sounds like job number one of, of church health. But you also have been a, a church planner, Mark. And so yeah. like reaching out to your own Jerusalem and doing that in a missional way, you've been there too. Tell us a little bit about how that is kind of at the core of, of planting a church. Yeah, and that's what's neat about the, the way that the EPC is framing church health in relationship to church planting. It's these gospel priorities all under the same common mission, common goal, is, is you're talking about the same, the same thing. You're talking about churches that live beyond themselves for the glory of God and the mission of his kingdom in that neighborhood. 
a church plant has struggles too, right? Namely like practical ones, tangible ones, money and people. And there's a whole lot that goes into that. But by and large, the identity, you get to set that culture from the beginning. And developing culture, that is its own unique kind of challenge, but you don't have a whole lot coming before it that is going to try to subvert that big mission, kind of the big purpose of why we're here. And so it, it's neat to see and to, to actually kind of uh, make the connection for existing churches to tell the stories of what some of our church plants are doing, to say, hey, this is, this is a story that we're all invited into. One of the great things about the EPC is that we are not always going for the biggest and the brightest our focus is on faithfulness in the neighborhood, meaning for a lot of our churches that might think this kind of cultural narrative that successful ministry means huge. A lot of our church plants are not huge, yeah. but they're being faithful, right? This makes it like, oh, this is, this is attainable. This is not something that is so elusive to us. And so getting to share stories, right? Stories for existing congregations from church plants. Hey, when you're focused on the main thing, boy, doesn't that make you excited? And for godly reasons. I do think, Mark, that there is something to be said for helping us to reframe even what is a healthy church plan. Because, you know, back in the day, yeah. the idea yep. was that if, if you didn't grow to the size of the mother church, you know, you had the mother church planning the daughter yeah. church, and the daughter church was supposed to be as big or bigger than the mother church, and it was sort of a, yeah. a big box, you know, sort of idea. But today, the majority of our church plants are, you know, smaller missional communities, 25, uh, 50, maybe 75, 80 people. Yeah. Many of them are that by design, not, not by default, but by design because they, to reach the next generation for Christ, that kind of greater connectedness in community yeah. with a core mission seems to be healthier. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And so I don't want to get into the trap of saying this model versus that model. I think it's when we get into the models conversation that we, we kind of lose that sense of context. Yeah. So the mission of God's kingdom in a neighborhood. So your context is going to have a whole lot to do with what form it's going to take. So yeah. the encouragement for church planters, and this is what trying to help existing churches get back to, we're not going to live in these conversations with what you're doing. We're going to go all the way back to why you're doing it. Right. And that's that mission of God's kingdom centered in Christ. And so that why in this context, in this time and place for the season on purpose with a purpose, that's going to shape your, your process. Yeah. And that's going to then, then the what's in terms of what you do, there's a million faithful possibilities, but they're going to be rooted in this time and this place for this purpose. Well, I really appreciate the corrective there to help remind us that there's no one size fits all. There's no one model. You know, a healthy church uh, understands its context and is going to incarnate the gospel in that context in a way that's going to be the best way to reach that community. That's a, a huge kind of recalibration for us in terms of thinking what is a healthy church plant. But Mark, I'd like to turn the corner as we turn toward home here in this conversation today. Talk to me about the relationship between a healthy church and the notion of church planting. Like we talk in the EPC about every church as a parent, patron, or partner. Why is that DNA so essential to a healthy church? Just as a story, we have one of our uh, church plants here in the Allegheny's Mosaic Community Church. A couple months ago, the church planting pastor got to 
bring a guy who, beautiful story, I'm not going to get into the whole thing right now, but came to faith through that church plant through a partnership with a nonprofit in that area. And so Eric, the church planner, brought this guy to share with one of the churches that had been a patron, a financial supporter Mm. of the church plant. They invited him to come on a Sunday morning. Hey, can you come share a little bit about the church plant? And so he brought this young man and they basically just told their story. Well, this church now, they're given Bibles and they're given people, they're given more money. More importantly, they're going back to their own mission committee, to their own session and saying, hey, this is where it's at. Like, like we're doing great things, but like, this is what we should be doing. How can we live more like this as a, right. as a family of faith together, right? There's a discipling work for the church in participating while at the same time, you're actually investing in a new church that's going to do all its own discipling work. That's a great illustration, Mark. That really is. That's, that just nails it. Could you extend that a little bit? And I know this isn't necessarily your area, but wouldn't you say the same is true in terms of church planning internationally? I mean, that's basically the focus of our global workers in the EPC World Outreach. How important is it that that DNA for planting churches locally as well as globally be involved in a church when it first starts out or a church as it's being revitalized? Yeah, I think the fact that the story of the gospel is a universal story, it's a global story. And so when our churches are actively involved in participating in that through the expression of local churches in different places, that keeps us connected in a meaningful way to that story. I think there's something unique about the way that we are called to invest both through our existing churches in a church health context and in church planting more locally. Right. So this is the Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. But then to the ends of the earth, when we have a posture of being listeners and learners, which I interpret to mean like we are investing in in groups and people who are already present in those communities for the work of seeing the gospel take a unique hold there. I think there's something that continues to disciple us and our people while being a blessing beyond our borders. I've led more uh, cross-cultural trips over the years than I could possibly count. And if I had conversations with people who question whether those are healthy or good or right, and certainly there are ways in which those can be unhealthy and do more harm than good. But I think when they're done well, uh, the listening learning posture, like you suggested, um, I think when they're done well, they really are discipleship trips. I mean, I think our people end up learning oftentimes from their brothers and sisters, particularly in under-resourced and global settings that come back and put their own circumstances into perspective and they live their faith differently. So these things are all kind of related, aren't they? Yeah. in, In a bit of a full circle, when we can get out of the mindset that mission is transaction and instead get back to the relationship piece, right? Right. The focus of this thing is a reconciled relationship with God and out of the fruit of that relationship with each other, that our mission is not primarily about serving and giving and transacting. It's being and it's connecting and it's relating. And so sometimes I will be the giver, but I'm going to be the receiver too. The important thing is, are we at the table together? That's a great place for us to land this thing, I think, Mark, because uh, the idea that the mission is not transactional but relational, that's a that's a great reminder for us, and it seems to be a, um, a great asset in terms of understanding what it means to be a healthy church. 
So thank you. Thank you. And Mark, how would people get a hold of you if they wanted you to come and lead a seminar or if they wanted to get more information about you? How would they do that? Yeah, I, I'm always happy to, to have conversations and, uh, and point people to either one of our other church health coordinators or have that conversation myself. Uh, if you went to the epcalleganies.org website, which is obviously the uh, website for the president of the Alleghenies, uh, my contact info is there. And so you'll find that on the staffing section, um, church health coordinator and mission mobilizer. Uh, it's a mouthful, but there it is. Okay, super. And also, uh, if you're perusing around the EPC website, which is just epc.org, there's an About Us tab. You drop that down, and there's a Presbytery tab. You hit on that. That'll take you to the Alleghenies, and you'll be able to track your way over to Mark's information as well. So, Mark, thank you so much for your time with us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Dean. All right. Well, friends, I hope that this has been an encouraging conversation for you. And my takeaways for today are that a healthy church realizes that they have to be outward facing and that their mission is principally relational. If uh, nothing else, we take that away from our conversation today. It's a great corrective toward helping all of our churches and all of us as disciples of Jesus be healthier and uh, so grateful for that. So pass this on to others, folks. Uh, Give us a shout out on social, share this, email it off to other people. If you're in your congregation, maybe share it with your elders. And we just appreciate all of that word of mouth stuff that helps us out a great deal. As we end our conversation, we always end because God gets the final word. He is the final word. Jesus is that final word. And he has a good word for us as we go out into the rest of our day today. From Colossians 1. The Son is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, things that are visible, things that are invisible. Whether they're thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. You see, he is before all things, my friends, and in him, that is in Jesus, all things hold together, for he is the head of the body, the church. Until the next time when we gather and have a conversation around the table and the goodness of the Lord, this is Dean Weaver, the stated clerk of the EPC, bidding grace and peace to you. Thank you again for joining us. On behalf of Dean and the entire team, we hope you will join us for our next episode of In All Things. For more information about the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, including a directory of local churches, online resources, and much more, visit our website at www.epc.org. I'm Rachel Joseph. I pray you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence in all things today.